Welcome back to Everything All at Once, the podcast where we blend the chaotic life of the early 20s and some of the psychology behind it. In today's episode, we are going to be discussing all things body image from my own journey, some of the psychology behind how we form our perception of our body, and pieces of advice that can hopefully help you form a better relationship with yours, and as we grow together, we can understand how a better relationship with our body can enable a better quality of life. But first, let's get into a little life update. So far, um, let's see. The CPR certification got that out of the way. Personal training, group training, I'm really just trudging along. On week four of spinal fusion recovery, can I get a woo-woo, super hype. And I've been doing a lot of social media content. I don't know if anyone has seen it. Give it some love. Show it out. I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out the best way to promote the podcast, maybe bring in some new listeners, help grow the brands a little bit. And I wanted to address also the website. I'm going through a little bit of a tussle in my brain about whether to completely rebrand. I don't know. I'm just tossing ideas around in my head. The website is done. It's just ready to be published and it'll be published soon, probably before the end of the month sometime. And it's going to have a blog, which is really cool that you guys can interact with that gives you a little bit more insight on some of maybe the research articles I mentioned in my episodes, or if I mentioned, I don't know, a funny story, something that needs a little bit more follow-up, that'll be there. It's super exciting, very hyped to be working on it. But until that's done, I went down the shore, got a much needed mental reset, just had a change of location. It was really nice to visit some family for a few days. I think I'm supposed to go back, but the Jersey Shore, you know, it's a love-hate relationship. I love some parts and hate others. Some I just don't agree with. I'm a very low-key, chill. I wouldn't say I'm very rowdy. I can get rowdy at times, yes, but I'm not like a rowdy person. And the part of the shore where I was at was just way too, I don't know. I did not, it wasn't my vibe. Uh, Avalon Stone Harbor Girls, if you know, you know. That's not the part I was at, but I'm an Avalon Stone Harbor girl at heart. I, my family grew up living in Avalon. I wish I could go back every summer. It just, it has a piece of me that I'll never let go of. And I wish I could stay there and it'd be summer all year long. But it's currently downpouring in PA, as it always is. I feel like it's good weather for maybe one day, and then we get torrential downpours, which has really hit a dent in my walking. I walk way too much a day because it's all I can do. It's a struggle. I just want to be able to work out and stuff, but you know, we're getting through it. We are finding new ways to keep ourselves busy. I'm learning Italian. I'm working on podcast stuff. I am just doing everything I can under the sun on my phone during these walks. The second life or third little life situation is I keep seeing everybody at the SoFi Eras tour. Oh my God. SoFi Stadium, I wish I was there so bad. One of my favorite podcasters, Victoria Garrett on RealPod, I listened to her Eras tour recap and I wanted to die. I was so jealous. I'm so jealous of anybody who went to the Eras tour. My sister, 
two weeks out of spinal fusion surgery. She was at Eras. Where was I? Learning some dumb chemistry equation. That's where I was in California. And when she was in California, I was in Philly. When she was in Philly, I was in California. So Miami, 2024, October for my 21st birthday. Hopefully, I'll be going to the Eras tour. I hope so. My friend just texted me. Are there any wax places near me? You know what? If anyone has, I need to invest in that. That is something I definitely, I was just talking to my mom about this. I need to invest in a waxing place. Also, this brings me to another note. Are we shaving our faces now? I saw some girl online just completely shave her entire face. And ever since, I've been super insecure. Like, there's not visible hair on my face, but I know it's there. Like, I'm, I'm Italian. I know I got hair. I, I don't know. I just, are we doing that? Is that something I should be doing? My skin has been pretty good, but it was just so satisfying to watch her completely just shave all of her face hair. So I was thinking, am I that bored? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. But I was just thinking about it. Is that something we should be doing? What are the benefits? I think a lot more research has to be done on that front. But that has been something that has been on my mind. Also, shaving your legs without bending your back is terrible. It's a process. Showering used to be enjoying. Now it's just fucking painful. But I am two weeks out from getting the A-OK. So I'm really sick of people telling me I'm upright. I'm just walking around. Wow, oh my god, Francesca, you're so upright. Like, oh my god, I didn't notice I have to be upright all the time as if the rods and the bolts and the screws are not in my back. That's crazy. Ugh. The struggles. But it's all right. Anyways, yeah, I'm getting that bored. I'm thinking about shaving my face. So I think it's safe to say I need to go back to college soon. And that is all I got, you know, fighting with BU for housing, fighting BU about my transcripts, my credits, you know, what under the sun can work for me in this process. Absolutely nothing. The dinging is also my dad sending us pictures in first class because there's no other way he flies. And he says, winning. Uh, he, why? I don't know. I don't know where he got it. I don't know where the phrase came from. Is he going to patent it, copyright it? I don't know. But literally any time anything has gone his way, <clears throat> winning. Well, I just need to be winning for two seconds. And hopefully we can do that through this podcast. Now we are going to get into a hot minute where we have some pop culture news that's going to its really rocked the boat this week in my mind. So let's get into it. Welcome to a hot minute. This week's hot minute has got me screaming, crying, perfect storm. Oh my God. I can't sing, but... Taylor 1989. Ugh, the re-release. Now, I understand everybody saying enough about Taylor, enough about the Eras tour. We're done. We're done. Why does everybody keep talking about it? Well, name another artist, person on this planet that is producing the content at the level that she is and constantly giving me new material and constantly just one-upping herself on the daily you can't there's always something to talk about because she's always doing something amazing so i don't want to hear that you don't want to hear it anymore 
when your favorite artist starts doing this, then you can talk to me. But last time I checked, most artists take years to release new albums. She's just giving me content monthly, which is insane. That, wow. I'm just, I'm a 1989 girl at heart. For her earlier albums, I was a little too young. I didn't have the capacity to listen to music by myself because I didn't own a device for myself, but I'd hear it on the radio. And then in fifth grade, I remember I got my first iPod and 1989 was the first album I downloaded. I went to the concert. I was looking at videos of it the other day. She, Taylor had like a bob cut in her prime city girl era. I just, I miss that album and I love it so much. I think I just have a special connection because that's when I first, you know, fell in love with her music. And also because it gives main character energy that I believed I had at that time. I was listening to I Know Places like I had a secret every day. I was like, yeah, I know something you do not. And Clean is one of my favorite Taylor Swift songs of all time. I think I just resonate with that on so many levels because when I listen to it, it's not just like I'm finally clean of a person, but every time I've gone through a substantial life experience, I have to play that song because I think it just represents anytime I go through a change, I'm just singing, the rain came pouring down when I was drowning, that's when I could finally breathe. When she says that, when I was drowning, that's when I can finally breathe. Are you joking? And then also she just expressed how much she loves, oh my God, how much she loves the re-record. She's never really stated that any re-record has been her favorite, but she said, this has been my favorite so far. And I'm super excited for the vault songs as well, because any songs that match the 1989 vibe that are new coming out, I think my heart just stopped. I wish I was at SoFi Stadium for that announcement. Like I said, I will be going to Eras, Miami 2024, one of her last shows. I can't believe it's insane that she's even touring that long. But regardless, her Instagram announcement got me super excited. And the album cover is amazing. Most of the album re-record covers, I don't really pay much attention to. This one, the first one, you know, she's got her sweatshirt covered on her sleeve. She kind of just looks very, I don't know. This album cover, she's smiling. She looks natural. She looks like she's finally clean. She's finally free. It just makes me so excited. I am thrilled and I will be counting down until October 27th. So I definitely marked my calendars already. Calendars because I have multiple. Next we have, let's see, Alexandra Cooper starting her unwell business or podcast company and she signs Alex Earl and Madeline Gray. I know I, I don't have TikTok, so I've heard of Alex Earl, obviously, through the grapevine, but I truly don't understand. Now, I'm just, I'm going to get a little controversial here. I'm going to say it. I think that Alex Earl is a product. She definitely is a product of the internet. It just goes to show that you can put a pretty skinny blonde with privilege on the internet. She can make one video. I don't really know what, like, I don't understand what she has going, like, what's her brand? You know, 
she just suddenly blew up. Get I see her at like the Barbie premiere on Instagram. She's hanging out with all these celebrities. She's suddenly a mega influencer, yet what what makes her special, you know? To me, it's just another blonde that we've just given a bunch of attention to. Maybe this is just the brunette coming out of me. I don't know. But it's just another girl that we gave attention to that is nothing special. And, like, the fact that I hear my friends and people saying, oh, Alex Earl bought this, so I bought it. What the fuck? I I really don't understand that. It's not hate. It's just more confusion. Like, where where's this power or her, like, authority coming from? I don't know. I'm going to be interested. I'm, I'm going to listen to her podcast on the Unwell channel, like, when it comes out. Or I don't even know if she has one now. I might listen to it. Because I don't, I don't know much about her. I don't know much about her story. This isn't me judging. I'm just like, why her, you know? Madeline Gray, I've listened to a little bit. She's, I love her a lot. And I think this is a really smart move on Cooper. But I'm also questioning where her contract with Spotify is going. Because that contract was huge. Multi-million dollar contract with Spotify. And her podcast is obviously huge. And let's not talk about how she had Harry Jowsey on her podcast. And then Sophia with an F had Harry Jowsey's ex, Georgia, go on her podcast and spill the tea about the breakup and how Harry's a liar and whatever. And they weren't saying names, but everyone knows who it's about. That parallel was insane. I watched and listened to both episodes. And I don't know, low-key siding with Sophia with an F and Georgia because I'm a girl's girl. And I don't believe Harry's telling the truth. That's a that's a side side pop culture news little edit. But let's get back to Unwell. Unwell, it seems super on brand for her. And it's amazing career advancement. And I'm very curious as to where it's going to go. I'm really excited to see the company. And it's just, it's great. I think some of the content she's put out is a little cringy. I'm not going to lie. But regardless, that would be a dream because this girl, I I look up to Alex in so many ways, not only as a podcaster, but as, you know, a businesswoman, an entrepreneur, the way she has of evolved her show is insane. And I know a lot of people was very controversial when she switched to like more mental health therapy, psychological interviews instead of just like what that dick do you know like it's it's evolved a lot and i think it's just like when emma chamberlain switched her style it's like every influencer you watch grow up has changed their content because they've matured as everyone does and her evolution was just astonishing to watch she's just a power house in the business world and i'm really excited to see where this company goes major 180 um New Emily Henry book coming April 2024. Funny story. That's what it's called. This is for all my book lovers out there. I am a big Emily Henry fam, fan. People We Meet on Vacation and Happy Place are one of my favorite books of all time. And I'll tell you why. It's not just because Happy Place is a typical, you know, rom-com romance. The way I saw Happy Place was it was a personal evolution of the main character. I'm totally blanking on her name right now. But I resonated with her so much in, you know, if you've read Happy Place, keep listening. If you haven't and you want to, don't listen. I'm going to spoil some of it. But the way she sort of changed her career path because she realized she was living for other people and then her trying to navigate when her safe space with her friends at the 
house. I forget where. I don't know. I read it a few months ago, so bear with me. But when she has to navigate through her safe space being tainted through difficult memories and difficult times in her life, that I really it really stuck with me because this doesn't make sense, but I guess California was always a vacation. It was like my safe space. And then I went to school and it sort of tainted it. And I wasn't able to have those same feelings of relief and stress-free enjoyment that I used to have when I went there. So I resonated a lot with the character and I didn't think of it as a romance. I thought of it more of an evolution of her, but we don't want to get into that. Anyways, funny story. It's about a lakeside small town romance. She didn't give much detail in the article that I read, but needless to say, I am jumping for joy. April 2024, I will be pre-ordering that. Thank you. And the last little thing I'm going to touch on for today, girl dinner. Um, This is a little bit of, I don't know, I guess it's what I've been seeing online. The whole trend, girl dinner. Um, Is it promoting disordered eating? Now, this is where I don't know where I stand because on one hand, yes, in a way it could be. I can see that being triggering for a lot of people and I think it just needs to reach the right audience. And what I mean by this is that I think sometimes we take it a little bit too seriously. I'm guilty of this myself, taking life a little bit too seriously. It's a joke. It's a trend online Nobody really knows what these people are eating. Also, why do you care so much? I look at it and I just laugh when they just have like, I don't know, hot Cheetos and mac and cheese. Like, it's just random crap. And sometimes I have hodgepodge meals like that. And it's fun to just mix things that don't make sense sometimes. And not every, you should try and have a balanced meal. Like, that's not where I'm getting at. That's not where I want this to go. But I just think it doesn't have to be taken so seriously. I don't think people have any malicious intent in posting these and if you're taking it as a trigger that's more so maybe you're going something through something maybe reflect on how you're viewing the content because do I agree with the trend do I think it should have been a trend at all probably not but it's fun to look at it's fun to laugh at it's fun to relate to and I think we just need to stop taking it a little bit so seriously and if I do see that it's triggering me in any way I'm just like, okay, let me take a step back. What am I thinking right now? And then I have to do some self-reflection. You know, if you're taking it that way, maybe think about how you're going into the content, you know? Anyways, that's all I got for a hot minute. I that I like these segments. I think it brings a lot of variety to the pod. And also, it allows me to talk about some of the stuff that I'm really seeing online. I hope to have more exciting left life updates oh my gosh but since i'm in quarantine part two with my back it's been it's been a struggle but now let's get into everything all about body image first we're going to go through my experience then sort of the psychological backing behind how we form body image and some tips tricks that can not tricks but some helpful advice that i can hopefully give to you pass along help you work through some body image difficulties that you might be having so let's get into it okay so now let's get into the meat of this episode so first i'm going to talk a little bit about my experience with body image sort of a little synopsis and then we're going to go into the psychology and then again hopefully some advice so i just want to preface that you know 
after last week's episode, I was doing a lot of reflecting and you don't always have to be self-healing or bettering yourself. And I know on the podcast, I give a lot of, you know, it's about mental health, what I'm going through, psychology, advice, etc. But you don't have to be doing things that are constantly going to make yourself better. You don't have to be in your mental health healing era all of the time. I just had a day where I literally couldn't do anything and I just laid curl up in a ball in a blanket and you know I just I couldn't bring myself to do any gratitude journaling or anything and that's the other things wouldn't be healthy without those days. So I just want to communicate that I don't want to view negative body image days like the preface the point of this episode is not to get rid of them completely but it's to help one cope with negative body image and a negative body image day if you really struggle with those things and where I'm coming through to help you understand my experience and maybe understanding some of the psychology behind having bad body image days or bad body image formation in general can help you maybe work through some issues that you might be having. So this is all, oh my gosh, sorry about the notifications. I don't know how to turn those off, but regardless, this is just a preface before we get into the episode. Right before I had left for college, I was still wearing sweatpants. I was still, you know, I was wearing shorts and tank top because it was summertime, but during the school year, I was like, I'm a sweatpants, sweatshirt kind of gal. I'm chill. But it wasn't that I was chill. I just wasn't confident in myself. And going into California, the stereotype is true. Everyone is very trendy. Everyone was wearing brand names. Everyone was wearing barely any clothes, in my opinion. And that's not judging. That's just the culture. That's the world we live in. And I I was like, I can't do that. I didn't want to go out because I didn't feel comfortable in any of the going out clothes because I'd bought them to fit the trends, to fit what other people thought were trendy in my mind and cool and would make me fit in. But it wasn't what I felt comfortable in. So that sort of hindered me from going out a lot. I didn't I didn't feel comfortable because I didn't shop those clothes for myself. So I didn't want to go out. And then now I was seeing all of these successful people in California in a different successful in a different manner. Cause I want to go into neuroscience research, et cetera. A lot of people that are successful out there are social media personalities, right? That's the world we live in. People my age are in their 20s and early teens, late teens are just quitting school, moving out to LA or doing school in LA and California and making a name for themselves with brands, with social media, etc. And then this old correlation that I used to have with success and body image, it portrayed in dance, it portrayed in volleyball and sports and running sometimes. Now I carried this 13-year-old's mentality. I'm almost 20 And I'm correlating now success with being skinny and wearing almost nothing and being some sort of influencer personality, even though that's not even the field I want to go to. That mentality is the one thing I know. And I just kept regressing back to it. And I spent my whole entire college experience in sweatpants. Fast forward to summertime. I was at a really good place. Once I had realized that, you know, I controlled the trans, not not that I controlled the transfer process, but I had gone through that rough patch. I had done a lot of self-work healing that I'll get into through my advice session. 
and I was at a really good place with myself. I was like, I'm not going to let this deter my life anymore. You know, I've lost a lot this year. Let me just have my two, three weeks of summer. Of course, healing is not linear. And July 12th, I got my spinal fusion surgery. During the surgery, my back, excuse me, my back was cut open and it was fixed. I didn't mentally understand what that would mean for me and what I would look like. The following three weeks were spent. I still struggle with a lot of bloating, a lot of hormone imbalance, gut issues, sweating issues, uh, emotional issues, and I was just completely swollen because I, in my mind, I wasn't focused on what major surgery just happened. I was focused on, oh my God, my body is distorted and they botched me. (laughs) I was like, holy fuck, I don't look the same at all. So now my body image journey has just taken a complete three, like 180. I'm like, what is going on? I don't look like myself. I'm swollen. I'm loaded. I don't want to put any of my clothes on. I wore sweats for the past month. Not kidding you. A t-shirt because it was too hot. But I didn't, I haven't worn any revealing clothes until now. I'm almost five weeks out because I didn't recognize myself. I have this, I realized that this is a very unique experience, but I had something in my back. And now I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, I don't even feel like myself. I don't look like myself. I was having a crisis. I didn't want anybody to see me. I wanted to just hide. And now I'm just rebuilding myself back up and learning to be confident in my body and whatever new bumps and curves I'm going to get along the way because I don't look that different now but watching myself progress from week one to week five I don't even recognize the person at week one but at week one if you had told me I would look like this I would have told you no that's crazy because I was just so bloated and anyone who's gone through surgery knows this you get swollen you have a lot of gut issues etc or maybe that's just me with the gut issues I have no idea And then when I was sitting down talking to my therapist and we were talking about, you know, I have to go back to school shopping because I can't avoid going shopping and putting on real clothes forever. So she asked me, you know, were you ever comfortable before? And I was like, what do you mean? And she said, well, before the surgery, you still didn't want to wear normal clothes. You still wanted to hide in sweatpants. So were you ever that comfortable before? And I sat back and I was like, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think I was ever at a place where I was comfortable with the clothes I was wearing, partially because of negative body image and partially because I was shopping for other people and not myself. So that brings me to sort of some of the psychology behind how we form body image. It's an intrinsic nature of ours to want to fit in, right? We, it's in our evolutionary history that we are programmed, that we need to do what we need to do to fit in because it's inherent survival trait. And that's what I was doing with clothes. And when I correlated body image and this negative, unhealthy perception of what a woman should look like or a person should look like, when I correlated that with success, that was correlating me or that was correlating skinny to fitting in and being successful. 
And I just want to emphasize the true definition of body image. It is a mental representation an individual creates of themselves that may or may not bear any relation to how one actually appears. This is just a reminder that you create it. Number one, let's focus on the first part of that definition. An individual creates of themselves. Sometimes I lose control and I think that my perception is what everybody sees. And I forget that throughout the years I have taught myself and just repeated in my head, you look fat, you look ugly, you look disgusting. Like I've repeated those thoughts. I've programmed that into my brain at such a young age that it has done a lot of damage and just stuck with me because that's my default. My brain was so malleable at the time that I was just taking in all of those negative thoughts and believe them to be true. When in reality, I created that for myself and it has no relation to any how anybody sees me because the second part of that definition may or may not bear any relation to how one actually appears. I think we forget that body image is also not just stomach fat. It's everything about your body. It can range from how your nose looks to how your arm looks to how your toes look. And these factors that can form body image, parents, peers, past experiences, social media, I think enough said is about social media and its effect on body image. It's very toxic. And I think social media plays a role in putting, planting that seed in young minds that skinny equals successful and skinny equals happy. When in reality, that's not true. Not, I hate I hate the saying, nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. Well, I can tell you from experience that skinny doesn't taste good and it doesn't feel good. It feels like shit because biologically, when you're at a low BMI for your age and in general, it triggers certain hormones to fire off in your brain that are comorbid with anxiety, depression, and a lot of other mental health issues, excessive stress, uh, weight fluctuation. So keep that in mind that I've experienced this myself when I've been at lower weights. That's been that's when I've been at my most depressed. That's when I was having the most health issues of my life. And growing up around the narrative that skinny is successful, I keeping that mindset. It was, it's known as a phenomenon called embodiment, and embodiment refers to the way an individual behaves, experiences, and lives in a world by being their active agents with a particular kinds of bodies, bodies that integratively understood as a form, as a lived experience, and as an entity in active engagement with the world. Basically, embodiment is a psychological concept that takes what you think of yourself and integrates that into every part of your life. So negative body image spreads like a wildfire. Again, I was so young and going through puberty, not even, I was a hella late bloomer, but going through puberty, we are like sponges. Embodiment is natural when, if you're thinking poor thoughts about yourself, even at 20, we're still developing. Our brains are not close to being fully developed. We're not close to being fully developed as humans. And we are still very much malleable and impressionable to the negative thoughts that we are having because if those negative thoughts can last from 13 to 20 they can last you from 20 to 30. So I was internalizing symptoms of negative self-image and embodying those into every area of my life. I've described how success, sports, school, 
there was not an area of my life that wasn't affected by how uncomfortable I felt in my body. Even at school, I'd, at my desk, I wouldn't be focused on the material at hand. I'd be focusing on how my legs looked and my jeans, you know? I have learned through experience to identify some of the triggers that have caused body image spirals. For example, sometimes, again, like I described, something's out of my control. The first thing I go to is weight and what I'm eating because that's what I can control. And bottom line is maybe it's not like that for you, but having control over my body is something that I just go back to all the time. And I've learned triggers and habits, and I think some of them I'm going to share now, and hopefully they can help you maybe identify um, some of the triggers and habits and bad body image factors, because as soon as I identified what sets me off and what gets me going, then I was like, oh my gosh, let me check my weight. Oh my gosh, I'm low at my weight. Oh my gosh, that's why... That's not why I'm so depressed, but that's not making it any better. And if anything, that's throwing my body more of an to an imbalance that it was already at. So I compare myself a lot to others when I feel like I'm doing this. I got to take a step back and think, why am I comparing them? What circumstance are they in? What circumstance am I in? Feeling compelled to monitor my body. There was a point where I had a measuring tape and when I got home from school, I would take it out. And I would measure my waist and my thighs. Not even kidding. That was at a very, very, very low point. And when I got rid of the measuring tape, got rid of the trigger. I just had to pull the bandit off and be like, I'm not dealing with this. Uh, feeling ashamed or embarrassed to go places in a certain outfit. When in college, when I was like, okay, I mentioned I didn't want to go out because of what I was wearing. My therapist was like, why? Why did you feel that way? And then I described that I was having a lot of negative body image days. And it's okay to have them, but when it becomes to a point where it's deterring you from living your daily life, that's when it becomes a problem. I see parts of myself in a distorted way when I'm having really bad body image or I'm at a lower weight. For example, like my stomach just doesn't look how it looks normally. I see it as a very distorted way or my thighs, I know I've been looking at them too much when they look a certain way. Identifying these little triggers can really help turn the mentality around that we don't have to look a certain way to be successful. We don't have to look a certain way to be happy. The sooner we start accepting what we look like now and realize that body image is a perception that we create that doesn't affect how other people see us at all, then we can start living our lives freely. And I still struggle with this all the time. It's way easier said than done. But hopefully me talking through this and you guys listening, we can all move forward in our lives together and start a new chapter because it's never too late to start new. I hate when people say like, I'll wait till Monday, I'll wait till tomorrow. I've started something new at 2 p.m. one day, you know? It's never too late to start changing the way we think. And when I looked up body positive images, I started to see and understand what body positivity was and understand how to change my mindset and tell that 13-year-old that associated skinny with success that what was I, what did I think beautiful was? 
I think we have to broaden our perception of what beauty is and what success is. And the progression that our world has made to be more inclusive and be more upfront in that we are seeing a wide range of people being successful more than we would have before. Now, the body image movement, you know, it has its ups and downs. And I just want to hopefully get on the right side of it in that it's okay to have bad days, but don't let it hinder you from living your life. And first step is to stop comparing yourself. You, no matter what you eat in a day, scroll past that video. Tell your algorithm that algorithm that you're not interested in because you can look and eat whatever that person eats. You're fundamentally not going to look like that. I hate those trends because how you look is not what just what you eat. It's your genetics. You're, we are all fundamentally built different. So we're striving for the impossible and we set these goals to look a certain way that are impossible to meet. And then that just brings disappointment because we're not setting sustainable, smart, healthy goals for ourselves. And, you know, those New Year's goals that are like lose weight, like no, health does not equal lower weight. Health equals feeling your best does at whatever weight you're supposed to be at. Identify, again, the triggering thoughts, the ruminating phrases that you go back to and try and rationalize them. So, for example, after I will body check, I will have a lot of the same ruminating thoughts from when I was 13, 14, 15, 16, up to now. And I've had the same thoughts for almost seven years of my life. Then I try and rationalize them. I'm like, oh, my stomach looks so big. Why? Do my pants still fit? Yes. Do I look the same as I did an hour ago? Probably. So what changed? What changed in the day of yesterday and today? Nothing. Your body cannot change that fast. If you try and rationalize these triggering thoughts, and you, you'll probably find yourself at a speed bump because a lot of them is that inner critic just telling you what's wrong when and starting to create a problem when there is not one. And nothing happened, and you just have to keep reminding yourself that your body can't fundamentally, biologically change from yesterday to today. Maybe you're bloated, that's a different story, but you know what I mean? You could not be any significantly heavier or distorted or whatever you think you are in that amount of time. So if you try and rationalize those triggering thoughts, you'll most likely hit a speed bump and realize that, you know what, that's not true. And I'm not gonna listen to that inner critic today. And I'm gonna move on and I'm gonna enjoy whatever I have to do. Body checking. I'd mentioned a lot that no mirror goes by where I'm not analyzing what it looked like, lifting up my shirt, checking my legs, you know? I still struggle with this a lot. And in the beginning, when I was really starting to first heal, I had to cover the mirrors. I was like, nope. I covered my room mirror and I stopped taking out my phone to look at what it looked like. Stopping body checking will stop or hopefully hinder the triggering thoughts because you're not analyzing yourself in the mirror. That is a really big help that if you're struggling, I definitely recommend just covering the mirrors in your room. It's different to check what you're looking like if you have, like are going to an event and you're changing an outfit. That's different. But if you're just at your house and you're bored and you're thinking to yourself, oh, what can I do? I'm walking past a mirror. Let me just analyze myself for 10 minutes. Just cover the mirror. Just shut the inner critic down. You don't need to look at it. Your body looks the same, I promise. And it will help a lot. Remind yourself that you have agency. And what I mean by this is that a lot of times 
maladaptive body image thoughts and those ruminating thoughts that can trigger body image spirals are we feel like they're out of our control when in reality we have agency we have control over these thoughts and remind yourself that this inner critic that's telling you that you look fat or your legs don't look the way you want them to look that is an external person disassociate that person with you detach that person from you oh that's not me that's not me saying that that's somebody else and i just got to shut them down and only i have the power to change my perception of myself because that's what body image is i have the power to change what i think about myself because it is me who is creating this negative narrative that is not true i have control over this and the more we repeat that to ourselves the more we can believe it and take control over what seems like an impossibly terrible situation that we don't have control over remind yourself that no one is analyzing you the way you are analyzing you no one perceives you the way you negatively perceive yourself i think a lot of times when i was younger i thought everybody thought how i thought and what i mean by this that was a lot of thoughts <laughs> what i mean by this is that i thought that everybody saw me through the same lens that i saw myself and that was really hard for me to understand that you know what when i look at somebody i'm not thinking about what they look like i'm thinking oh hey how are you you know oh that tank top is really cute you know i'm not thinking about oh wow like her stomach looks like this today you know i'm not thinking about that and you know what if somebody is thinking like that when they see you that's a them problem if they're thinking and analyzing and criticizing you that's just their insecurities projecting onto you most people just see you for your personality your being yourself they're not paying attention to what you look like they're not paying attention to your arm fat or you know whatever you might be really insecure about nine out of ten times they're not thinking about you in a negative light because they see you as your friend through thick and thin they are seeing you as somebody they want to spend time with and that is loved despite whatever they look like regardless you know i think that was really hard for me to understand because again i was 13 and i was like if anybody if i think this way everybody thinks this way i'm on social media everyone else on social media everyone else has these spandex on everyone else has this leotard on they must be thinking the same thing about me and comparing me to them when in reality growing up and maturing is understanding that the sooner you have and build confidence in what you look like and stop giving a fuck about what anybody thinks you found your freedom lastly i think what has i want to leave everybody with and what's most important to me is to remind yourself that your body is a vessel for the best parts of you i put a lot of value in what i look like i worked out way more than i should have i was not feeling myself properly i attached i continued that mentality of skinny equals success and that's just it hurt me a lot and it really deterred me from growing up and having a carefree childhood and lifestyle those thoughts still harm me today it takes a lot of time to heal from ruminating thoughts that have been with you for seven years and 
certain things that parents and relatives have said and my heritage and how that's played into, you know, the culture around eating. It takes a lot of time to heal from that. Over time, you realize that you are way more than what you look like. You are incredible. You are doing the best that you can. You are smart. You are funny. You are you. You have an amazing personality. You have hobbies. You have life that goes beyond the skin and the bones and the necessary fat that makes up who you are. The sooner you and I both can understand that, the more we can live life more than we ever thought we could. And that's all I have for today. I want to thank everybody who listened to this episode. This is really special to me. I took a lot of time to really reflect and think about what I wanted to talk about and what I wanted to share. And I hope that this was helpful to any capacity. If you liked it, you know, always follow the Spotify. And we're also on Apple Podcasts too now. And I'm really proud of how the show is going. Let me know if there's anything you want to hear about. Next week's topic is a little bit lighthearted. And I know that a lot of these episodes have been topic related. And that's because I live a boring as fuck life right now where I'm just trying to heal from my back. I'm not doing anything exciting. But I promise come Boston when I move in, a lot of things are coming. I've been a lot more active on Instagram. I hope everyone's loving that. So yeah, thank you so much for listening again. And I'll see you next Sunday to talk about everything all at once. I remember a lot of body image bad negative body image started for me when I was pretty much in middle school. And I know you're like, Francesca, everything comes back to dance. Well, dance was traumatic. And I wanted to do this episode a lot for the purpose of that. I got a Snapchat memory maybe throughout the whole summer. Basically, I've been getting these Snapchat memories of, I never posted them. And they were just basically saying, before school, I need to lose five pounds. I need to lose 10 pounds. I need to do this, this, and this. But it always involved some sort of weight loss in correlation to happiness. And I just wanted to do this episode for her, you know, for the girl that believed that I had to be miserable and my smallest self to be my best self. And for anyone who thinks the same, I hope by the end of this episode, you can realize that you are so much more than that and weight loss and being focused on that is a criminal take that whole mentality takes away from your quality of life so much more than you realize until you're on the other end so i've always been self-critical with myself from academics what i was wearing i was always a perfectionist my inner critic was very loud in especially in academics and dance and gymnastics being in those environments you have to wear very tight skin clothes very you know the leotards they're very exposing they leave absolutely nothing to the imagination at the time i didn't think much of it really i was maybe 13 and i was putting on my leotard whatever i was going to dance i didn't think anything of it and i grew up in a very italian household so it was like you gotta eat you gotta eat food 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 and i was never you know like that i never really was like I didn't eat to live, let's just put it that way, or live to eat. I was just like, nah, you know, I'll eat whatever, it doesn't matter, but I'm not really like, manja, manja, if that makes sense. And I remember one dance class, I had done so much work. 
I was putting in a ton of hours. The company had just started. We were like the first official dance team of the company. I was so excited. I had been working my butt off in the studio every day and I was just grinding. I was there all the time and I thought I was doing amazing. And my teacher thought I was as well, but she said, I, you know, I wasn't good enough for a lot of the older kid dances because I was short. And I remember thinking, well, I'll just work harder. And I looked at a bunch of successful dancers. I went down a super big rabbit hole of looking at what success as a dancer looked like because at the time, 13, 14, that's what I wanted to do. All of the dancers that I'd seen portrayed this body image that was basically sickly. And I thought, okay, if I can get to this place, then I will be successful in dance. It's all about the image, right? It's all about how you need to look in these uniforms, leotards, etc. And I made it my mission to look just like that because I began correlating success with a specific size at literally 13 years old. I turned my self-talk to, instead of analyzing my form in the mirror, instead of saying, oh, like my plie is a little off. When I saw the mirror, I wasn't, I started to not focus on dance anymore. I started to focus on what my body looked like in the uniform. So my inner critic sort of switched to, oh, uh, my form's a little off here, to, wow, maybe if I just lose two pounds, then the leotard fat wouldn't be sticking out. You know what I mean? That was so damaging, but at the time I didn't understand what was going on. And we all have this idea of an inner critic, or it's this doubt, or somebody in your head. I like to dissociate it from myself because it helps me cope when it's getting too much. It's I. Uh, it's somebody, not you, in your head that just likes to pinpoint everything you're doing wrong. And at the time, my inner critic was saying, your body is disgusting. It's wrong. At 13 years old. At 13, your brain is so plastic. And what I mean by that is neuroplasticity is this idea of like your brain is changing, how the brain evolves, my brain, you're like an information sponge when you're that age. You will take in information and take it verbatim and believe it because you don't know any better. So I began having a lot of maladaptive thoughts going into high school that took this analyzation of my body in dance and gymnastics and this leotard and those thoughts transitioned to outside of dance. That's when I didn't realize I was going down a spiral that I should not have been going. In high school, I persisted in these habits that I'm going to explain. The negative body image talk went beyond my stomach. It went to everything. And I'd quit dance my freshman year. I had an injury and I was like, you know what? I don't really want to go back. They're moving studios. I was like, I'm not getting anywhere in this world in dance because it didn't matter how hard I trained. She just said I was too short. Mind you, I had begun doing something I should not have been doing that was hindering my growth. And I was making myself short because I wasn't growing, because I wasn't feeling myself properly. And I was like, you know what? I don't want to be here. Like I had another partner at the time and she would go into the studio maybe once or twice a week. I would be there every day busting my ass and she got treated a whole new level than me. I was like, this isn't worth it. I'm working so hard. 
uh, you say I'm so talented yet you're not putting me in the right dances, I'm leaving. So I left and then I transitioned to volleyball. And boy, was not that not helpful. <laughs> volleyball was an amazing experience. Uh, Sports-wise, friends-wise, it was great. Club sports, I can do a whole nother episode on this. Very draining, to say the least. And now I had transitioned from leotards to tight spandex. And I had this obsession with getting a thigh gap. And it ended up impacting my playing a lot. Because the whole time, instead of focusing on what was going on on the court, I was thinking about my legs are not small enough to be in these spandex. Like, I have to get out of these right now. I couldn't focus. That's all I was thinking about. I remember I was working out at one point, like, three hours a day. And I was really trying to get this perfect image. Because, again, I still had this perception that linked a smaller body to success. Because when I looked at volleyball players, yes, some, a lot of them have thick thighs. Thick thighs were the world. But at the time, all of the successful volley players I had known were tall and skinny and had legs that I wanted. So I just became completely obsessed. From that point on, no mirror that I ever walked by was not a body check. And I don't know, a body check basically, you know, It's not just your typical, oh, I'm looking in the mirror to see how this outfit looks. A body check is when somebody analyzes themselves in a mirror that is so overly critical that you leave feeling terrible about yourself. You lift up your shirt, you turn to the side, you look at every angle. Throughout high school, this habit progressed to the point where I would be in front of a mirror, take out my phone, go on the camera or Snapchat, and look how I looked in that lens because. I wanted to see how I really looked, but my perception of my body was so warped. I didn't know what what I looked like. How can you know what you look like when you're just staring at yourself through all these different lenses? You don't know what's real and what's distorted because in my mind, I looked so different. And every picture I took in high school, I, I didn't like. I still struggle with that. I don't like when people take pictures of me from a weird angle. I don't like when I don't have control of the lens. It freaks me out. I was like, I needed to know what it looks like at all angles. And when I started buying clothes for myself, I realized that I was not comfortable in any of the clothes that I was wearing. In high school, in the beginning, I went through this phase where I wanted to be super trendy and buy, you know, the polo tees and the thrifted pants. And I wanted to be Emma Chamberlain circa 2018. That was my goal. And then COVID hit. And during COVID is when I reached out for therapy and help because I was like, this is getting to the point where I'm having some sort of breakdown where I'm thinking about going to a really dark place and this isn't healthy. And I just wore sweatpants for the rest of high school because I was just trying to heal and I didn't feel comfortable in my clothes. And that's what everyone else was wearing at the time. So I was like, okay. But where I'm getting on with this is I never shopped for myself. I never felt comfortable in any of my clothes because I was just trying to either fit in or wear what everyone else is wearing. I followed the trends religiously and not only did I not feel comfortable in my body, I didn't feel comfortable in my sport and now I didn't feel comfortable in public in clothes that I bought because I thought I would feel good but it was just what everyone else was wearing and not what I feel comfortable in. And then my junior and senior year, I had a turning point for me where I basically 
was told that if I don't heal what's going on with me and my body, that I cannot go to college. That's when I known that it had gotten really bad and I it was just completely out of my control. I could not do anything at that point. I was very stubborn. You can't help somebody that doesn't want help. And I was very, very resistant to help. I'm a big control freak. I wanted to control everything. And at the time, junior and senior year, and during the pandemic, when this body image crisis that I was going through really rose to a peak, was a time in my life where I didn't have a lot of control of what was going on. I couldn't control what COVID was happening and how it was affecting my life. I couldn't control what college I got into. I couldn't control a lot of what I was doing at the time. So uh, no matter what was happening, my body was the one thing I could. And after this breaking point, I took a lot of time and I really reflected on healing myself and I started exercising not to lose weight, but for the first time in my life, exercising to actually feel good. And I discovered running, which is like my niche now. And I was eating the most I'd ever eaten in my whole life. I was running the most I'd ever run. And I felt amazing. I was very happy with my body. And I was like, you know what? This, I just have to keep reminding myself, this is just a vessel. This is just a small part that holds the best part of me. And it was my senior year. I was the healthiest I'd ever been in my mind. And I wasn't having any, I was still having maladaptive thoughts, but they weren't as prevalent and they weren't hindering my quality of life in the way that they were before. Now, flash forward to the beginning of college, I'm put in a stressful situation. I realize I want to transfer. I'm getting judgment left and right. I am struggling to fit in out there. What do I do? I revert back to the one thing I control, which is my body. And I went back to all of the maladaptive thoughts that I had healed. I completely regressed because when we're put in stressful situations, we do what we know best. And that's what I know best, unfortunately. That's what my 13 and 14-year-old brain taught my body to do when things that are out of my control were so heavily affecting me. I just went right there right back to that place where I should not have been and acting in ways that I know better and performing a lot of habits that I know are not right.